I have all kinds of great memories from childhood around Easter. We'd go to my cousin's house or my grandparents' house for brunch and to search for Easter eggs. We'd have Easter egg hunts around my grandparents' mobile home or in my cousin's backyard. And on at least one occasion, we found an egg that had been hidden the previous year underneath my cousin's dog's doghouse. I grew up with two older cousins and a big sister, and so I always somehow got the short end of the stick, both when it came to outfits and when it came to finding eggs. For some reason, my mom just kind of thought it was the perfect day to dress us up in absolutely horrible or wonderful outfits. Hi, Mom. But I'm not bitter or anything. I've got great, great memories from childhood around Easter. When I got a little older, my dad would take me to the Easter sunrise service at Balboa Park in San Diego. Easter has always been a celebratory time. It was true when I I fought for eggs to fill my basket as a little boy, and it's been true as an adult, as a dad, and as a pastor. Earlier this week, I was on a drive with my son. We were going to visit Pastor John and Pat and live right up the street from us. And like most almost five-year-olds, this lockdown has just been hard for him, so he needed to get out of the house. We were talking about all that's going on, about why he can't go to school, about why he can't go to baseball practice, why he can't have friends come over for play dates. And he asked if I ever had to do this sort of thing when I was a little boy. And I said something along the lines of, no, buddy, I didn't. This is totally new for me, too. This is totally different than anything I have ever experienced. School is different. Work is different. Wearing masks when we go outside is different. Wiping down everything that we bring into our house from outside is different. Staying away from loved ones is different. Church looks different. Preaching to an empty sanctuary is different. Easter is different. It's all different. Yesterday I read that the the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in in Jerusalem, where where most believe that Jesus was was crucified and buried, closed its doors during Holy Week this year for the first time since 1349. First time since 1349. This is different. This isn't normal. But I don't think there was really anything normal about that that first Easter either. Listen to how the Gospel of Matthew describes that first Easter Sunday. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 from the NIV. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He was risen. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, 
clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's first thing on, on Sunday morning, and, and Mary and Mary are running to the tomb. It's Sunday morning, we know, because Saturday was the Sabbath, and they're going to the tomb to take care of their friend who had just passed away. There was a, a giant earthquake, and Matthew writes that the stone that was in front of the opening of the tomb had been rolled away, and that there was an angel of the Lord sitting on top of it. The women arrive, and they can see that the, the guards are, are frozen with fear. And, and let's be honest, you would be, I would be, I know I've been terrified, paralyzed by fear for, for much less daunting reasons. And the first thing the angel of the Lord says to them is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then they're invited to step into the tomb to explore Jesus' resurrection for themselves. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to walk the Via de la Rosa in Jerusalem, the, the Stations of the Cross, with a group of Franciscan monks. And it's an experience that I will never forget. I highly recommend doing it for anyone who has the opportunity. People, literally, they, they wait for hours outside of Jesus' tomb just to go in for a, a few seconds. So I remember sitting and, and listening to the monks sing and seeing the line of people waiting to get into the tomb that all had different looks on their faces. Some, some were crying uncontrollably. Some had big smiles on their face and some just kind of stood in awe. The sense of hope was palatable. People couldn't wait to step into the empty tomb. Now something tells me that when Mary and Mary were invited to step in, they had a totally different experience. They're told to step inside to see where Jesus' body had once laid, and once they step in, they see that it's not there. It wasn't hope for them. At least, not yet anyway. It was dread. It was fear. And then the angel of the Lord tells them to run and to tell the others. They'd be the first to share the good news of the resurrection. But I doubt at this point for them, this was, was really good news. Not yet, at least. They, they go to the disciples. They're full of uncertainty. And as they're on their way, Jesus meets them on the road. And, and I love this part of the story because it humanizes it for me. Jesus meets them on the road, and he greets them with a common greeting for their day. It's essentially the same sort of greeting we would say to a neighbor who's walking by on the sidewalk. It's just, hi. It was the common greeting for the day. The women recognize him, and they, they, they fall to his feet, and they begin to worship. And then Jesus repeats the same words that the angel said. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It was a command that Jesus' first followers had heard many times from him. And every time he used the phrase, he's encouraging someone to move beyond their fear and step out into hope, to a place of hope. So when he first calls his disciples, the very first disciples, Peter, James, and John, they're out fishing. And Jesus sees that they're out fishing, that they haven't caught anything and they said, hey, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught a thing. And he says, hey, go out and try one more time. Go out and try one more time, but this time put your net on the other side of the boat. He calls them to adapt. He calls them to adapt and, and they give in and they go out and they catch more fish than their boat can hold. 
They come to shore, and Peter is just blown away. And he, he falls to Jesus' knees. Or falls to his knees at Jesus' feet. And, and he says, Lord, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Peter knew that what, what Jesus was about, his fear was driven by this deep belief that this man who had gone around preaching, that this man who he had heard things about, great things about, that, that he wasn't good enough to be in his presence. Not a simple fisherman like him. Some of us have that same sort of response to Easter, that same sort of response that, that, that Peter had to Jesus. We think, I don't go to church enough. I'm not sure the last time I opened my Bible, I don't even know where my Bible is or if I still own one. I'm too screwed up. I'm too broken. I'm too whatever. We somehow convince ourselves that, that we aren't good enough. And if that's you, I'm pretty certain that Jesus would have the same response to you that he had to Peter. Don't be afraid. A year or so later, Jesus repeats that phrase. The disciples are out on the boat again like they often were. And Jesus was up in the mountains praying like he often was. And Jesus looks out and he sees the disciples are about halfway across the, the lake. So he says, hey, I'm going to go and, and walk out and meet them. They see this figure walking across the lake. And, and they're terrified, of course. But this time, Peter has a different response. He says, Lord, Lord, if that's you, if that, if that is you, invite me to come out onto the water with you. Invite me to come out and meet you. He responds to Jesus' call to not be afraid by taking a risk. Now, some of us watching this morning are incredibly comfortable with our faith. It's easy to consider yourself a Christian because, you know what, being a Christian has never really involved much risk. And if that's you, I invite you to not be afraid and to step out of the boat. That risk looks completely different for each of us, and I'm not at all suggesting recklessness. Please, in today's world, that's not at all what, what I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting, but I am suggesting faithfulness. Sometimes we kind of get stuck going through the motions, so, so used to living our lives in one way or another that anything that throws us out of our routine is completely paralyzing. There's this moment where, where Peter is walking on the water toward Jesus. He's locked in, just kind of staring at Jesus, taking step after step. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus just for, for one moment. He sees the wind, he sees the waves, and he begins to sink. He's frozen with fear. He, he cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. A phrase that is eerily close to what was shouted on Palm Sunday, to what we, we sang about last week, Hosanna, which means God save us. We move beyond fear and into hope when we pair our hallelujahs, our praises, with our hosannas, our cries. There's a third time that Jesus tells Peter, James, and John to not be afraid. He, he takes them up to a mountain, the place where he often went alone, but this time takes the three of them with him. And, and this is the time we typically refer to as a transfiguration. 
while they're there, they hear a voice, they see Jesus transfigure into a preview of the resurrected Christ, and they hear a voice that says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. They hear God's voice. They they fall to the ground, terrified. They probably had a look on their face that was very similar to what Mary and Mary had on their faces when they stood outside the empty tomb on Easter morning. Jesus reaches down. He, He picks them up and he says, don't be afraid. It's an invitation to experience God's holiness. One of the challenges we face in today's world is that we don't hit pause enough. We don't slow down nearly enough. It's it's one of the reasons that what we're going through right now is so difficult for so many of us. So uncomfortable to just slow down. A couple years ago, I was complaining to a mentor that that I, I wasn't sure what God was up to in my life. I couldn't hear God's voice. I didn't know where God was leading me. And I was going on and on and on. And I was talking and my mentor just kind of sat there quietly nodding his head. And after a while, he said, are, are, are you done? And I looked at him and I said, yeah. He said, it sounds to me like you're too busy to listen to what God has for you. Maybe this Easter, maybe during this season where we are, are called to our homes, the only thing that you really need is permission to hit pause. Permission to take a true Sabbath to rest. To find God's holiness in your homes. It's there. When Mary and Mary step into the tomb, they are terrified. As they go to the disciples and they meet Jesus on the road, that that fear, that uncertainty, it's still there. I'm guessing they're trying to put it all together. I have no idea what sort of conversation the two of them were having as they walked along that road, struggling to figure out, is this real? What's what's actually happening? Then they, they get to the disciples. And we don't know how that conversation went. But I imagine that as soon as as one of the Marys said, it was the weirdest thing. The angel, Jesus, they kept telling us to not be afraid. That some of the disciples said, what did did Jesus say? He said not to be afraid. We've heard that before. Fear turns to hope as they realize the meaning of the empty tomb. But it's not as though they they just snap their fingers and then all of a sudden the uncertainty is gone. It's still there. They still have to learn to walk with the resurrected Christ every single day. And so do we. It starts with hearing those words. Do not be afraid. And it continues as we learn that we are loved, that God sees us as we are, that God loves you as you are. And as we learn to be faithful, to to take risks of faithfulness, and to take rest, to seek God's holiness intentionally, I invite you to do that this Easter. Will you please join me in prayer? Loving God, may we be filled with hope in a time where we, we desperately need it. Lord, show us your grace. Help us to to take the risk of focusing on you each and every day. And give us the time and the space to rest in you as well, to experience your holiness. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.